Welcome to Immigration Nerds. As international travel restrictions continue worldwide, not only immigration, but many industries that require international cooperation has suffered. This includes one of the world's biggest money makers, professional sports. As such, sports that require a high level of contact and rely on open borders for games encounter even more severe difficulties. Fitting this category, rugby. Good ball to Lockley, out to Quirk. Quirk's on his way! Let's see what he can do! USA He's Rugby Hall of Famer Dan Lyle joins to share how COVID-19 is impacting the international game. Dan is currently the director of rugby at Anschutz Entertainment Group, which is the world's largest owner of sports teams and sports events. He gives us a few inside looks into the challenges decision makers are faced with as they negotiate resuming the game on an international level. As sports goes, the world follows. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us beyond border. So could you tell us about how you first got involved with AEG and your roles and responsibilities there? Yeah, I was working for, uh, you know, I, when I finished playing in my professional career, I worked for USA Rugby, the governing body for a while. And then uh, with a few other people, started a private marketing and events company and did joint ventures with NBC and a few others. And then over time, started looking for additional partners within the mainstays of, uh, of American sports complex, the Octagons, the IMGs, the CAAs, the bigger organizations that, that, that uh, put on events. And of course, the AEG um, was there. And AEG has got a big headquarters here in, in Denver um, from, the, from the Anschutz Corporation that stands for the Anschutz Entertainment Group, started by Phil Anschutz, who you know, his name is like the Lombardi Trophy is on the Lamar Hunt uh, or Lamar Hunt is, is the the Phil Anschutz Trophy is what's it's what's given to the Major League Soccer owner. Started talking to those groups and AEG said, hey, you know, we keep bumping into rugby globally, all the different venues and all the things that we do. You know, AEG is uh, is the largest sports entertainment company on mm -hmm. the planet. Right. We have more sports, more music, more venues. Than collectively and, wow. and more than anybody else. And so we kept bumping into it. So they, they approached me and said, Hey, why don't we start a rugby division and start building some assets in the United States and take advantage of our, of our assets and our partnerships abroad. So that ultimately, uh, how I became the, our AG rugby director, you know, um, a few couple of years ago and, and, uh, plugging ourselves in at the, uh, at multiple different levels in the United States and then multiple different levels around the world to advance the game. It's very international. New Zealand will play against England and U.S. will go against Brazil. And that's like a, a very common match. So do they have any prospects of resuming seasons or how are they uh, conceptualizing that moving forward? Yeah, I guess I have a lot of uh, optics on that because of the company that I work for, AEG, and you know, running the rugby division for AEG mm -hmm. you know, allows me to cross-fertilize and look at our venues as well as the multiple sports that we that we either own or, or house within our you know, multitude of venues, excuse me around the world. Um, 
you know, the, the good thing about rugby is that it is this massive international sport. There is so much growth and so much potential out there. But because it's international sport, that's probably the last thing that's going to come back is that international travel mm-hmm. side of things. So the domestic fronts probably come back quicker. And so I think the global game is looking at uh, their domestic products mm-hmm. uh, more than anything else. And certainly, you know, the European continent is like the North American continent. So even though that's multiple countries, you know, you have to look at the jurisdictions of each of the health organizations in each of those countries and how they work together. Mm, You've got right. to get to the the myopics of force majeure as well, right. you know, which, uh, you know, ultimately, how do you cancel something and how do you take a next step? Um, but the other thing that rugby might not have in its favor is that it is very close quarter combat. Mm. You know what I mean? Even though it's a tackling sport versus a collision sport of American football where you got a wrap and all that stuff, the ruck and the mall, you're in very close proximity to each other uh, on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. Scrums and the malls and the, and the ruck. So, you know, that, that, therefore you're going to have to have really good testing and really good antibodies and make sure that, that people, uh, you know, can't pass it on and all those different pieces versus the golfs, the, the NASCARs, the Indy cars, you know, all of those things, you know, are can keep a, a, a social distancing, you know, will be the ones that come back quicker. One of the things that they're doing uh, at the world rugby level right now, which is the international federation like FIFA is for soccer, mm-hmm. is they're talking about how do we align the global season a little bit more so that we're that it's not as disjointed, you know, and that, you know, when club rugby or, or club is played, professional club is played, you know, and international play, that there's not as much crossover, that there is a... Uh, that there's more defined windows for international play like there is in soccer and not too much. There's a lot of windows and a lot mm. of, uh, you know, uh, um, disjointedness to the sport right now. So the crisis is allowing people to collaborate and have conversations um, across the board. And so that's uh, that's some of the good stuff that hopefully comes out of the back of this. Right, because each government has their own protocol in terms of how they're dealing with travel during the the pandemic the different rugby federations they will have to be in line and in sync with whatever their country's protocol and hopefully get in line with other countries in that sense yeah certainly uh, those cross-border competitions whether they be at kind of the european cup level which is club competitions or uh the super rugby which is australia new zealand south africa argentina whether they cross border you know i think the the it just came out that new zealand is not eradicated but at a, such a low level so new zealand playing a domestic competition of rugby which is you know they've got really really good competition obviously obviously yeah. the all blacks and being you know really really good at rugby but you know they would love to play you know right across the tasman there and the australians as well right you know and uh you know, and, and that rivalry, that yeah. they call it the Bledisloe Cup. The All Blacks in total command here. Carter, they get him again, and it's another try. Australia's being humiliated here in the Bledisloe Cup. Yeah, so those type of competitions as quickly as, as they can come back, and that's just two countries working together versus, uh, you know, the Europe, which is, as we talked about, or Africa, 50-plus countries, you know, or, or, you know, continentally, it becomes a, a challenge for rugby, but our groups at AEG uh, are part of league-wide um, task forces. They're also part of uh, city-wide task forces. So our venues in LA and New York and London are part of venue task forces where they're all talking together about, okay, if we had crowds of 25% or 50% or whatever, what does that look like? And then 
how do, how do you create, you know, the crowd conversation? And then the league wide things is, okay, let's let individuals start training again. Cause they've got to, you know, repurpose their bodies for a sport. Right. You know, and then of course, college football and things like that, you know, you have to be on campus, right. You have to be taking courses, right. That That's a requirement, right. And all those kind of things. So there's, there's interesting things in, and that that's such a, uh, a massive thing. It's and some of those sports, some of the best proving grounds for the for international sport are the American university system, right? There's there's more international athletes from South Africa and Australia and others that train at our universities for track and field and swimming and basketball and other things like that that uh, do so. That whole level there at university level, level alone the pro level, is just as economically viable, but also has lots of you know, similar ramifications. People don't really think about how important sports are. We look at it, oh, it's just an entertainment to to get our minds off of our everyday lives. But really it fosters togetherness, teamsmanship, whether you're you're, you're a fan and you can be in the stands with other people, total strangers who you don't even know, but you feel like you guys known each other for 20 years because you're rooting for the the same team that you guys love. So it really does a lot for the morale of one people, the city, and also the team. So as quickly we can get back to the games, I think we're going to get back to a better sense of normalcy. I think to wrap it up with your first question, I had a great coach um, that coached me on the national team um, years ago, and he's still the currently the coach of the University of California, Berkeley, right? And they started rugby in 1882, you know, the oldest sport on campus for them, you know, at a very prestigious university. He's won like 28 or 29 national championships and 15s and 7s. And he used to call uh, more so with his university than, you know, parachuting into the national team. He used to say, look, my my job is to give each member of my team a Ph.D. in team, you know, and, and they need in order for them to be able to go out into the world and, and answer the bell, no matter what profession they are. You know, we're all going to be working together. And I think this epidemic is proven that right. You're just seeing you're just seeing everybody drop the competitive edge and pharma and hospitals and other groups working together to try to find that conversation. So that collective dialogue and, and even more so because this is obviously immigration and global, the, the, the cross border comp- conversation, you know, um, it, I think it's turning us all off to to, to the politics of, 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 of things yeah. a lot of ways, right? Because all we're thinking about is how do people collaborate? I don't want to hear what you have to say or you have to say, whichever side of the aisle you're on. I just want to hear people working right, together, absolutely. right? Right, exactly. And so um, so so team sports and, and, and especially a game like rugby with that, that requires that cohesiveness, you know, that in, actually engenders it. That's why, you know, most athletes get hired, you know, for jobs, you know, more than individuals. And you know, you got to be smart. You got to you got to know your own job. But at the same time, I'd rather be working with a, uh, you know, a, a group than on my own. I appreciate that, Dan. And just like the international sport of rugby, that uh, is a culture of team cohesion and togetherness. Uh, hopefully with this pandemic, we can have international cohesion and togetherness and bring back our wonderful sports. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, and Certainly, the, the the games that are international. I think as a, as a, as a as an American people, we're becoming more diverse and more international, and so that's why that's why soccer has taken off so so well, and so much of the 
you know, the Premier right. League and Bundesliga and Serie A and MLS and all that stuff are being viewed. Uh, a game like rugby, that's why AGU usually gets in front of things and kind of sees things maybe a little bit quicker than others. It, it's an international game. There's a thousand universities in America that play the game, right? Mm-hmm. So we all see it as you as you saw it, you know, at that level. But it's it's being pushed down, you know, to the grassroots level and pushed up, you know, to the professional now with Major League Rugby. So I think the time is ripe, you know, for more international sport, you know, and it doesn't take away from the, the great domestic sports that we mm-hmm. have. But the thing that I'll end on, hopefully maybe it's a little bit inspirational, is many Americans would have seen um, the movie Invictus, right? right. Morgan Freeman, you know, D- uh, Matt Damon. And it was the story of Mandela, right, who literally used the, the, the game of rugby, which was in South Africa at the time uh, a white sport. And he used it, you know, as a way to bring – you know, the, the, the two sides of, of what was in South Africa, the white side and the black side together, you know, you know, in a World Cup environment and all that kind of stuff and put on the, the jersey, uh, which that, that, that green jersey represented apartheid. So him putting it on, you know, was really, really interesting. But now fast forward to this last World Cup in Japan. Rugby World Cup 2019 is about to hit its pinnacle with South Africa and England down to fight it out. The first for the time the World Cup was outside of traditional country in Asia, you know, where, with record attendances and all that. South Africa win again. And who wins? South, uh, South Africa wins. Their, their captain, Sila Kolosi, the first black captain wow. ever for South Africa, right? Sia Kolesi. That, you know, grew up, you know, watching that, seeing, you know, and, and, and not having food on the table and a lot of things and saying, and then his answer afterwards was that if I can do it, anybody can do it. So you can actually start a movement and, and that movement can actually permeate itself into the realization of, of what you actually started. And, you know, there's something, if, if people don't know the history of those two things, they can really see that. And that's what international sport is really about to me. It's about multiple countries, multiple uh, groups playing against one another. And that one right there is one of the best stories that's out there. So uh, have a look. Thank you. Thank you to lead researcher Con Branch, assistant producers Luke Bianco and David White, and music by Brandon Williams. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.